Welcome to Consensus Distributed from Coindesk, where you'll find live recorded talks and discussions from Coindesk events and more. Today's talk was recorded live at Coindesk Distributed on May 11th, 2020. This episode is sponsored by ErisX, the Stellar Development Foundation, and Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund. In this session, Chainalysis Chief Economist Philip Gradwell presents on the halving, Bitcoin miners and mining pools, then does a Q&A with Coindesk's Christine Kim and 401's Tyrone Ross. Welcome. And as you guys may have heard, there's this thing called the halving, which is coming up. I think we're now almost a couple of hours to go. And the crucial thing to understand is you know, there's going to be a reduction in the supply of Bitcoin. So there's about 1,800 Bitcoin mined a day at the moment. And in a couple of hours, there'll be 900 Bitcoin mined every day. And so people think, okay, with that reduction in Bitcoin that's you know, being made available, there's going to be less supply. And when there's less supply of something, you know, the price goes up. And actually, mining pools, they seem to be thinking this. So mining pools are the companies that coordinate the resources, the hash rate of different miners. Uh, so they can all get together and have a better chance of mining a block. And mining pools then distribute most of the reward that's mined to those miners. But mining pools, they collect fees for you know, providing that service, and they also will have some of their own hash rate. And so while mining pools don't actually tend to get you know, the whole Bitcoin reward, they will actually you know, generate some, and typically they send it to exchanges to cover some of their costs. But since November of 2019, the Bitcoin mining pools have started to accumulate more and more Bitcoin after you know, running it down um, over the last sort of actual you know, 12 or 18 months or so. And uh, as of la last week, when we had to cut these slides together, they were holding about 17,500 Bitcoin. And, and it's actually roughly at the same level uh, when we checked earlier today. So Bitcoin mining pools have actually been accumulating more Bitcoin ahead of the halving. And that really actually is a reversal of a longer term trend where we see that the Bitcoin miners, they have been holding Bitcoin for shorter numbers of, yeah, shorter numbers of days. Um, if you go back into, say, you know, 2018 with the big price rise, the Bitcoin miners, they started building up the balances and the Bitcoins they had, they just held them on for longer and longer, thinking those high prices were going to potentially get even higher. But then when we hit the lower prices at the end of 2018 and in 2019, the Bitcoin miners, uh, mining pools, they kind of capitulated and they started to sell a lot of their inventory. So they started to hold on to their Bitcoin for a very short period of time. But then since November, you know, it started to creep up from on average them only holding their Bitcoin for around two days to them holding their Bitcoin for about six days now. So mining pools, they're holding onto the Bitcoin for longer, they're accumulating more of it. And this is important because mining pools are actually one of the main sources of Bitcoin that are sold on exchanges. There's an important caveat to that. About 90% of the Bitcoin that flows into exchanges actually comes from other exchanges. So you know, there's a lot of Bitcoin that flows around as people perhaps balance portfolios or exploit arbitrage opportunities. But of that remaining 10%, Mining pools are responsible for about a third of that. So they really provide the additional liquidity that people you know, want to buy Bitcoin. It's not just the Bitcoin that's moving around the exchanges, they're not providing that. They're actually providing you know, fresh Bitcoin for people to buy. So that suggests that because of the halving, we could actually have a liquidity crunch. Um, 
And that I think is what gets people excited actually about this. You know, there's going to be less supply of Bitcoin that really might move the price. But the thing is that exchanges have not struggled to source Bitcoin in the recent rally. Looking here at the number of Bitcoin flowing into exchanges uh, from you know, just before May and then to the start of May. And what you see is that in that two week uh, period, the daily average has been around 75,000 Bitcoin flowing into exchanges, which is actually above some of these longer term averages, say like the 30, 100 or 200 day average. So we're actually seeing more Bitcoin coming into exchanges than we've seen in the past. At the moment, it doesn't look like there is a lack of liquidity, at least ahead of the halving. And for me, there's a bigger point, which is that most Bitcoin are actually held for investment. So you know, we think there's 18, well, there are 18 and a half million Bitcoin that have been mined to date, which means there's you know, about sort of 2.4 million left to go to get us to 21 million. So only 2.4 left to go, that's on the right. If you look on the left, we actually estimate there's about 11.4 million Bitcoin that are held for investment. These are people who have held their Bitcoin often for a very long time and who tend to hold their Bitcoin in wallets that have never sent more than a quarter of the Bitcoin that they've received. So, you know, Bitcoin sent to these wallets and it just sits there. We think there's about 3.7 million Bitcoin that are lost. Say one to two of those uh, belong to Satoshi and the rest at least haven't moved for years and years, even as prices have increased. And there's about 3.4 million Bitcoin, which is really used in trading. It kind of moves around between exchanges. Um, you know, so it moves really, really frequently. And what I think is really interesting from this is, well, yes, we're going to lose 900 Bitcoin a day of fresh supply. But what would it take for some of those 11.4 million Bitcoin in those big investment buckets to actually move over into the trading bucket and provide some supply uh, on exchanges? So the key question for me is, at what price will those hodlers sell to cover that reduced mining supply? And will demand remain high, requiring that additional supply to actually come to the market? You know, this is definitely a period of peak interest. You know, the halving generates a lot of hype and a lot of news articles. And I think there might be some other important narratives to replace that once the halving you know, fades into history. And that really might be around Bitcoin's role as an interesting asset in this kind of brave new uh, COVID-19 economy that we have. So for me, yes, 900 Bitcoin a, a day fewer could create a liquidity crisis, but I think actually the hodlers will sell to make that shortfall up. And the big question is, is there going to be that demand to even want those extra, extra 900 Bitcoin? I think there will, but it means you need to look at metrics of demand and think about the narratives that are actually bringing new people into Bitcoin every day. Support for this podcast and this message come from ErisX. With ErisX, you can trade spot and regulated futures on cryptocurrencies through a licensed US-based exchange. ErisX believes in fair access for all. Sign up today to take advantage of zero fees and learn more at erisx.com slash consensus. This episode is also sponsored by the Stellar Foundation. The Stellar Network connects your business to the global financial infrastructure. Whether you're looking to power a payment application or issue digital assets like stablecoins or digital dollars, Stellar is easy to learn and fast to implement. Start your journey today at stellar.org slash coindesk. Our final sponsor is Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund. In times like these, diversification is key. Consider Grayscale Digital Large Cap Fund, ticker symbol GDLC. It's the only publicly traded investment product that offers diversified exposure to large cap digital currencies, all from your brokerage account. For more information, visit grayscale.co slash coindesk. That's G-R-A-Y scale dot C-O slash coindesk. 
Thank you for the presentation, Philip. Um, so right, right off the bat, quick question. There's been a lot of talk about a minor capitulation, excuse me, um, and what's going to happen after the halving. So I think I was reading something today about production cost um, at, the, at the last halving um, is, uh, was, I believe, 70% um, above cost. And now it's like 10, I believe, 10% below before, 70% above production now. What are you seeing there? And do you think eventually a lot of the miners do capitulate and leave the market? So I definitely think there is a risk of that. Um, you know, I think there the bigger question is what technology do those miners have? You know, right. are they using the latest technology? Are they moved to places where costs seem to be, you know, lower than other places? I think there's a lot of people who are probably holding on to hardware that I hope sort of paid for itself and is now kind of at the end of its life. I suspect they may decide to drop out of the market, but there may also be people who are kind of buying the latest mining rigs and they might might enter. I think there's a lot of people who are sitting there waiting to make that investment decision. And Philip, I thought it was really interesting that pattern you noticed where Bitcoin miner, or mining pools have started to accumulate Bitcoin after November 2018. Um, is the reason why, because Bitcoin mining pools suspect that demand for Bitcoin will go up and price will shoot up, so henceforth they should be able to sell at a much more competitive, advantageous price? What reasons are there for the accumulation of that Bitcoin past the November 2018 uh, point? Is Can you give a little bit more detail on how the halving does affect uh, Bitcoin mining pool mentality? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to you know get in the heads of the mining pools sometimes. But for me, the actual insight is to look at that history. So you know, we saw that when there was the 2017 bull run, the mining pools, they started holding on to a lot more Bitcoin than normal. They stopped selling as much, and that was because they were able to cover their costs by selling far fewer Bitcoin because Bitcoin had you know, become so much more valuable. Um, however, they held on for a while, and prices didn't recover you know, up to their sort of 2017 highs. And then indeed, when it started to fall, you know, going into the sort of $4,000 range, um, then you saw the mining pools needing to perhaps cover their costs um, and that's where they stopped holding Bitcoin for so long. And you also saw an increase in competition uh, in you know, the mining pool world. So I think there's a bit of a competition for fees, for example. And what that shows is that you know, when prices fall and mining pools need to cover their costs and they aren't able to make as much margin, then they're not willing to hold for so long. Um, they have less of a buffer now. So the fact that they're willing to actually build that buffer over the last few months, for me, is a strong signal that they think the price is rising. Because when they've otherwise been stressed, they've actually sold. Awesome. And I just have a quick follow-up, and you, you hit it on this a little earlier. As the machines become more efficient and the industry evolves, so as the, the, the technology becomes, you know, and the machines become better, how do you think that affects the industry long-term, in your view, as, you know, obviously the machines and everything gets more efficient? How does that affect the space overall? I mean, in, well, for me, one of the nice things about Bitcoin is that, I mean, since all that that does is it raises the difficulty. You know, everyone's still fighting over the same number of uh, Bitcoin as a reward. So if people's machines get better, you know, it means that essentially it just gets harder for people to do the same thing. That improves the security of the network. It actually might not have such a big effect on the market. Um, I think it will perhaps drive the need for more sophisticated, you know, financial instruments for the mining pools and the miners to 
manage their risks they're putting more and more investment in and i think that might drive some maturity in things like derivatives markets and so on but actually given a certain amount of um you know bitcoin price and, and mining investment the ultimate difficulty you get to the only benefit you get from that is that the network becomes more secure yeah absolutely awesome thank, thank you for that. yes thank you so much philip for your presentation You've been listening to Crypto Talks from Coindesk. For new, short daily episodes, you can subscribe with Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. This session featured Chainalysis Chief Economist Philip Gradwell, Coindesk's Christine Kim, and 401's Tyrone Ross. It was recorded live during Consensus Distributed 2020.